It's 6.27pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. And Ian is struggling to unmute himself again. So we're still blue and yellow till we die. I'm Simon Sansbury, And my co-host is Ian Tiny Morris, struggling with his unmute. Okay, so... I'll keep sending requests to Ian, hopefully, that he can he can um, get his unmute to work. He struggled with it last week. Um, we thought we had a better way of doing it this week. And yes, hello, mate. Yes, that's entirely your fault, you clown. Why? What did I do wrong? You sent me... So I've got the thing over the, the unmute button, and when you send me a... The host would like you to unmute... That takes the focus away from the mute button to another part of the screen. Best laid plans. I was poised, and as you started speaking, I was there to hit the unmute button, and ooh, ooh. I beg your pardon. Okay, so that's all right. I sh- we'll have to practice that. We, we, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll, you know, we'll have to dry run that a couple of times, but um, we'll get it sorted. I mean, it's only our seventy-first episode. Don't worry. Yeah, and I don't know why it's gone wrong the last two weeks. We were sweet as you like before that. It's outrageous. Although, to be fair, there is a different um, uh, streaming service that I want to try out. So that might be worth a, worth a giggle just to see if we can completely break the internet. Oh, no, that, that would be superb. Yeah, yeah, let's give that a go. Yes. Let's it, give that a go. We're, we need to practice that before we go for our big May 2021 election husting special. Or specials. We are the specials. Specials, in fact. Yes. Yes. Shall we give them an overview? Uh, yes. So, um, just in case there's someone listening that doesn't realise that there are local and police and crime commissioner elections taking place on May 6th in the UK. Um, I say that because we have many international listeners. Um, that. Um, so, what we'd like to do is um, as invite the police and crime commissioner candidates on, and we're just trying to sort out the the final kind of um, schedules with with regard to that. Um, but also, we'd like to pick a few wards actually in the city. So, I'm after shortly after the show today, um, I'm going to pop up a post um, and invite our listeners to um, to let us know which wards they'd actually like to see us do hustings for. Um, so I think it's a given with the police and crime commissioner. We'd love to do a hustings for that. It'd be a good one to do a digital hustings because people aren't necessarily going to get that much chance to uh, to meet candidates anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, we'd like we'd like to know which Portsmouth city wards um, you you'd like to hear from. But that's that's the theory. Hopefully, by showing that there is a demand for the hustings in a particular ward, we can gently shame the candidates to agreeing to put themselves through yep. it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, and then we'd subsequently ask people to submit questions um, that, um, as long as they're questions that can be put to all candidates, um, then we'd ask for the public to submit questions that we'd then kind of uh, basically decide on um, in advance. But yeah, that's the, that's the theory. Obviously, we'll keep you posted as, as that develops. It's a it's a good idea. It's bound to. Um, it, it's bound to end in chaos if it's us. But I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be good and useful. And we segue nicely into this week's show, meetings that descend into chaos. I'll we grieve. didn't cover it at the time. No. But uh, we're going to have a little look at the the lively proceedings of the Hangforth Parish Council. 
Yes. Um, and uh, and maybe reflect on the way in which meetings are run and see whether there's any parallels to be drawn with PCC. We're then going to head down under, I believe, where somebody just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich, if I may recall the lyrics of the past, where there is very little Vegemite sandwich-based exchange between the Australian government and Facebook after some shenanigans that went on this week. So we'll have a little look at that. And then our final is military medals. So there was, there was an announcement this week that anybody who had been dishonorably discharged from the military for being gay can now apply to have their medals back. And we'll just uh, cast an eye over that and uh, and maybe make a few observations. So plenty to get into our teeth into this week. Mm-hmm. How's your week been, young Simon? Um, well, I think the most exciting thing domestically in my week was I bought a new vacuum cleaner. Because I, I did, you, what'd you go for? I decided that I'd had enough of Dyson. Um, oh, so um, I, I went for a shark. I was going to say you've gone shark, haven't you? I've gone shark, and I have to say I am very impressed in what it does. Um, it's one of those a vac, buying a vacuum cleaner is one of those things where you want the new product to suck. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, we've we've got an array, including a Roomba little robot vacuum cleaner that scurries about doing the vacuuming while you're not there. Well, that's t- that, that's typical of you to have a little robot servant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's on a zero-hours contract and everything. Are you allowing them to unionise? No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Nothing good ever came of that. Yeah, well, we've seen films with Will Smith in where that doesn't go very well for people. So, um, yeah. you know. Do androids dream of electric sheep? That wasn't the film name. That was the short story by Isaac Asimov that it was based on, wasn't it? So, oh no, that was Philip K. Dick. Yeah, no, that was that was Blade Runner. Hang on, I've completely messed up my references. Oh, oh that, that doesn't happen often, you. does it? It's outrageous. References. Yeah. So, how was your week, anyway? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, usual levels of chaos ensuing, and you know, there's there's not there's much for muchness at the moment. Um, I got me fire. I got me Pfizer jab. Yes, excellent. So, yeah, no, that went down on Tuesday. I have to say, the good people at the Goshen uh, Medical Centre ran like clockwork. Lots of volunteers about to help guide you, whisked us round, shot in the arm, and yeah, absolutely. Wait for fifteen minutes to make sure that you don't go mad, and then um, yeah, a bit of a sore arm. On uh, on the was it the Wednesday morning? But um, like all good lizard people, basked on a rock for an hour. Everything warmed up. I was fine, and then uh, now I'm looking forward to the cricket season. Mm, crunchy, crunchy crickets. Mm. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah. Full lizard person now. All hail Bill Gates and our lizard overlords. Um. So yeah, no good week. Good week. So <laughs> what happened? On this day. So on this day in 1245, uh, Thomas, the first um, the first Bishop of Finland, is granted resignation after having confessed to torture and forgery. Those were the days when public Bishop. figures kind of resigned after, you know, torture Particularly and forgery. in Finland? You wouldn't have thought it of the Finns, would you? 
Right. It's it was... a country where I quite want to be if Monty Python is to be believed. Well, they said Finn and it's all over. So um, yeah. um, I'm sure this one's, um, you're going to be a fan. 1848, Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels published the Communist Manifesto in London. Yeah, that was slightly to the right of uh, Jeremy Corbyn's last manifesto, wasn't it? <sighs> no, no. No, no. But still probably several decades late after um, Jacob Rees-Mogg's first one. So uh, 1965, uh, rights activist Malcolm X is shot dead by the Nation of Islam followers at the Audubon Ballroom in New York City. And he was shot dead by them, was he? Yeah. I thought he was one of them. Well, they must have had a falling out if they shot him. I think that's pretty kind of like a... I was going to say, yeah, that does tend to indicate yeah. a certain tension within the organisation. Well, right, you live and learn. And after our after our um, ice skating remembrance last week, um, 1980, British figure skater Robin Cousins wins men's uh, singles gold medal at the Lake Placid Winter Olympics. 1980. Good Lord. I think that was the only medal we won that year. I, I we don't tend to come home with a, with a bag load of um, medals from the old Winter Olympics. It's uh, oh, there's the curling though. Gotta love the curling. You always watch the curling. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Um, I don't. I don't understand. Um, the Olympics has never kind of really been my thing. Um, oh. So I can't say that it was. It was really on my radar um, at that at that age. At the ten year age of eight that I would have been at the time. Um, okay. So that, that Are you was... not fifty yet? No, I'm not fifty yet, no. Are you sure? I, I yes, definitely. I've kind of cut one of my arms open and counted the rings. Yeah, I'm definitely sure. Good lord. Okay. Oh, I'm surprised. <laughs> well that's gonna be an awkward conversation with my sister in a minute for you. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Bear, bearing in mind that she's a couple of years ahead of me. So anyway, hi Nick. Um, so anyway, uh, so shall we move on to our to our first uh, our first subject? Yes, indeed. Now this is a it's a viral thing, isn't it? Um, so the Hangforth Parish Council, for those who are not in the know, is uh, it's like a commuter town, stroke village area just in in Cheshire, so up in the north there. And it would be fair to say that their December planning meeting did not go well. N no, it, it didn't go so well. So just to refresh our memory, and the reason why we decided to talk about this it, this week is because this week they then had their um, their subsequent then basically their subsequent council meeting. So um, it's kind of. Um, brought it back to the fore, the fore a bit but um let's refresh our memory with um with some excerpts of of the delights that happened um in that meeting and i think we can probably all agree that it isn't democracy's finest hour so here we go with some with the basically a selection of clips from the december meeting it's only the chairman who can remove people from a meeting you have no authority here jackie weaver no authority at all She's just kicked him out. No, she's kicked him out. Don't, don't. She's kicked him out. Don't. This is a meeting called by two councillors. Illegally. They now elect a chairman. No, they can't because the vice chair's here. 
I take charge. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. You don't have to elect a chairman. There's a chairman already installed. The chairman of the council. Councillor Burkle, we've been through this. You don't, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the chairman, the chairman of the council is the is the chairman of the of the uh... council. Yeah, I'm going to subpoena everybody. Uh, <laughs> Burkle, could I ask you to be to be respectful to Jackie Weaver, please? <laughs> <laughs> Barry out, so I'm leaving. No, oh, Barry, no, Barry, has gone. We're trying to have a Teams meeting, you fool. We're trying to have a Teams meeting, you fool. We can't if you've got that. <laughs> Jackie Weaver, I find that uh, the person on Alec Brewerton's uh, Zoom is being very disrespectful to everybody. Oh, coming from you, from Birkenhead, that sounds good. Um, I mean, where to where to start? I mean, um, I mean, I think it might be worth starting. The 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 chair who was the first voice you heard, mm. uh, and there's a little bit precede that. So, I think he got thrown out of the previous meeting. Yes, not by the eponymous Jackie Weaver, but um, but uh, yeah. So to, so to understand, so Jackie Weaver, who is the famed you have no authority here, none at all, is, from what I can work out, is the sort of meeting facilitator, but isn't an elected official. But is the person who sat on the host meeting with Zoom, so ultimately has all of the power. Yes, yes. And, you know, although you can um, talk about the, you know, the finer points of, um, absolutely, it's it's the it's the chair that would normally get to decide um, if someone is or isn't recognised to speak at a meeting, and in a physical meeting, um, you kind of, um, especially if it's uh, if you look at a local example in in the council chamber, the um, the chair of the meeting, which in a full council meeting is usually the lord mayor or the deputy lord mayor, would then be activating the microphone for the person that they've recognised. So therefore, although people can kind of scream and shout and stamp their feet a little bit if they've not got the, their microphone on and, and people will hear them, on a on a virtual meeting presence, whether it's on Teams or Zoom, um, you have the ability to actually mute them or even eject them, which is indeed what, um, what Jackie Weaver did. Um, she ejected the chair of the meeting um, and the reactions kind of ensued. I thought the, the, the Alid... Um, Sorry, the the response from what was his name? Alid, but is it? Um... Oh, la, 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 la. Uh, sorry, Alid Brewerton. That it was kind of like I didn't know whether he was whether he was just kind of um, channeling his. Um... Because <laughs> there was that that kind of angry whispering in the background. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I'm to have a team meeting, yes. precious you fool. <laughs> so, so, um, I, I, I guess for me the interesting thing is, 
Do you know what? Would, would council meetings actually run better if the chair actually, to be really honest, actually kind of silenced or rejected people that weren't, um, that, that were behaving in such an abysmal way? I mean, just the way that they treat, you know, they treated Jackie was, uh, was really horrible and disrespectful and, you know, these are elected councillors that are treating an official, even if they're, you know, someone that's, as you say, they're the, they're the person operating the Zoom or team contro- Teams controls. Um, they're not an elected representative, but nonetheless, they're still a human being. So why not actually treat them with some respect? I don't know. Well, Seems obvious I think to me. The, 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 there's a number of dimensions to it, isn't it? There's obviously previous there. Yeah. You, you can tell. You know, the, the, there is the, the fact that it escalates so quickly. And, you know, whilst chairman is being a bit of a disrespectful, patronising dick, the fact that he gets, <laughs> the fact he gets put in the car park quite so soon suggests I, I'm fairly sure Ms. Weaver has got previous with him and has done the, oh, I'm not putting up with this. Right, you can go. Should we elect a new chair? To which... Alid Screamy, not Alid Jones, with the read the motions and understand the standing orders. Yeah. He goes DEFCON 9 all a bit quick, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. And then, from what I can work out, he, he, I think you said there's not just him in his box, but he's got some Stetler and Waldorf style sidekick with him. Mm. Who then takes umbrage. Person- yeah. <laughs> Who then um, has a go at one of the, the councillors for saying, well, that's kind of, you know, what I'd expect from someone from, I forget where it was. Birkenhead. Birkenhead. So there's obviously some, there's obviously some sort of real kind of, you know, um, animosity between, uh, between those two places. I mean, people in Portsmouth, I guess, can't really kind of criticise other places for having geographical animosities against places near, you know, near their, near their town or city. Um, but it, yeah, it's kind of. Was that really? Is it, I mean, in any in any professional environment, that sort of behaviour wouldn't be tolerated, and it would be resulting in several kind of conversations in a room with HR, really. Um, and it's just. But, but is that where we come to the one of the fundamental roots? And is this perhaps a, you know, one of the things where? And again, you know, I don't know the difference between parish councillors and town councillors. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's the same. Ultimately, we we expect much of these people. And, you know, is it a case of part of the challenge in, in that environment is you've got people who aren't professional. You know, I don't know whether they're getting remunerated for their work as parish councillors, you know, or get some kind of expenses or allowance, but I think we've touched on it before, you know, it's not a. It's not an amount of money you could live on. So, is it a case that you get people who are in those roles for the wrong reason? Um. I mean, the truth is, when if you apply for any other job, you go through. It, you know, the people that you, the person that you work for or directly report to, has. Uh, to be honest, have has stronger mechanisms to say they don't like how you're behaving and conducting yourself. We we've, we've spoken before, haven't we, about yeah uh, about the um, about governance and standards and about you know to su- to some degree how actually effectively that you know they don't have the power to remove someone from being a councillor. 
um, the most they can do is um, is um, censure someone, ask the leader of that party group to remove that that um, councillor from any committees that they're on, um, and withdraw access to council facilities for no more than six months to that person, as long as it doesn't interfere with them carrying out their role uh, as a councillor. So from a point of view of actually really... There isn't a body other than the the electorate at the next election that says, actually, you're a bit of a spanner. We don't we don't like the way you're conducting yourselves. And although we we wanted you to represent us, we're we're now actually ashamed that um, that you represent us and actually want you to um, basically go visit the job centre. So there's a you know, there are certain mechanisms that mean that you can recall an MP for certain reasons, but those are actually quite limited. But there's nothing kind of equivalent, I don't think, for a councillor. So in this kind of situation, oh. what is there? Because the, the follow-up meeting, so the meeting that happened this week on Wednesday, where, um, so the, the voice that you heard first um, was Councillor Tolver. Um, so that was the person that was chucked out by um, by Jackie Weaver. Um, and in that, um, for reasons passing understanding, they actually broadcast that online, but also allowed people to join the meeting virtually. So the members of the yep. public could actually interject and speak, um, which I don't quite, I mean, certainly I think that Portsmouth City Council have got that right in that there's a team's meeting that the public aren't joining the team's meeting they're watching a stream of that team's meeting so the public aren't able to interject and interrupt proceedings um so that kind of got quite raucous there were you know there were lots of media comment on the fact that oh the members of the public that you could see were watching some of them were smoking and drinking they're in their own homes get over yourself what the hell? No, absolutely. Oh my god! This was popcorn time, wasn't yeah. it? This and, was entertainment. And, this and wasn't politics. Some of them hid their faces with hats. It's like none of them were sitting there naked. None of them were, you know, <laughs> no. What 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 is you know? At the end of the day, um, it's you know the three thousand or so people that that followed that meeting. I'm sure it's probably a a record for Hanforth Parish Council. Um, but it. But to me, it kind of speaks for the, I, I don't know, it's the bread and circuses part of actually, are we doing ourselves a disservice by the fact that the the only time lots of people get interested in what's happening in politics is when actually there's loads of really abhorrent behaviour, because that's just encouraging people to behave badly to get attention, because um, people aren't, you know, are, are quickly bored by some of the detail and, and the minutiae, um, but also... Um, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, regardless of whether you're being remunerated as a councillor or whether or not, the officers that work for the council, the people that work for the council, are just people doing their job. And I don't yep. think it's fair that they're being treated like crap uh, in public by people that are being disrespectful, even if technically, actually, and legally, they they may well have a, actually have a point. But that's not the way to conduct yourself, especially if you're an elected official. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's right. And I, and I think for no, me I, that's I, the we wonder why we wonder why more people don't want to don't want to put themselves forward to be councillors apart from all of the work that's required to actually get elected. If if people treat each other and treat officers like that, is do we really are we really surprised? Well, I mean the thing is, and this is where you know again, if we look at that, as I say, it's clear there's been previous. It's clear that Councillor Tolver is. A, well, again, it's only a limited sample, but from what I've heard, a, a stuffed shirt full of his own self-importance, you know, a, a, an arrogant, 
you know, slightly egotistical individual. Now, I wonder how many people in Hangforth Parish know that. Because there is an element of, let's face it, with our own elected councillors, you know, you and I might occasionally follow along a meeting, you know, but the, the viewing stats on your full council meeting aren't great. It's a nine and a half hour extravaganza most months. So, you know, again, you've got to get a lot of popcorn in. So really the only time we see our councillors behaving badly is if they decide to take to social media um, in an inappropriate way. So I think there is definitely, you know, again, what this I think has shone a light on is that, you know, you have got some people who are behaving abhorrently and effectively there's very little that anyone can do about or well, there's nothing anyone can do about it and even to the you know well the electorate gets to pass judgment on them at the next election mm. will they you know well there, there is an element of you know particularly with partisan party politics i don't know i don't even know whether he is a you know whether there's party politics in the parish councils or whether they're just well-meaning folk like in the vicar of dibley indeed well we try not to kind of fall into any any large puddles we've got um councillor david fuller following us in the comments um and i asked him in there um, would he have liked to have had the power to have kicked people out of virtual meetings um and he, his remarks were that um he's always given uh, officers uh, respect and if you do that that you get it back um, and that being the chair is not the best job, but if you give people respect, then it comes back at you. But kicking people out, uh, not the best thing to do. So, and, and there is, of course, even even if someone does, even if someone were to take the step of kicking people out of a meeting, you could argue that that's an interruption to the democratic process itself. Um, so, I, yeah, it kind of gets into all kind of sticky things, but it's just this thing of, Come on, can we? I, I, I know it sounds probably naive and a bit wishy-washy, but come on, can we not actually treat everybody else that's there with some respect and decency? Because although you disagree on how to make the city a better place, you're all there because you want it to be. Um, yeah, and oh, let's yeah. let's do that, huh? Yeah, we haven't had a we haven't had a a proper meltdown for a while, have we? What between us or in the council chamber? A bit of both. A bit of both. The early feisty Brexit days, we've, uh, we've stepped away from them. We have. And there's still episode zero in the dark archives, which will never see the light of day. Yeah, what the three-hour argument between our, between us in my yeah. front room, where we where we tried to make sense of Brexit. Um, but in a way, was a metaphor for itself. But it helped us for kind of figure out the best way to kind of do the show. But there are some things that you just can't reach agreement on. And sometimes you just have to say, I disagree with you, because, and my point is this. And it's the other party to put across their point, but they don't have to be kind of personal points. And I and I think too much of the of the game that's played is the it is actually the attention grabbing, the um, trying to interrupt someone else's flows by kind of deluging them with loads of random um, points of order requests. Which I understand, by the way, you're abbreviated as requests in the in the Teams chat mechanism that the council uses as a POO or poo. So uh, oh. if you ever hear councillors referring to there's a there's a poo for this there's a poo for this that um they're referring to a point of order not um not as in that you know that someone's actually you know steaming 
<laughs> you know, someone's suffering from bowel discomfort in the in the council chamber. Um, but yeah, so yes, a bit more respect, please. So shall we? Um, <laughs> Dave Fuller found that one was funny. So um, at five two, should we should we move on to down under, or should we talk about the, uh, the, the medals? We can go medals if you fancy. Let, let's go the medals. Okay, so so this this one comes up. Um, and here we are talking about um, geographical, um, unreasonable geographical animosity. So um, an ex-service uh, serviceman uh, from Southampton, um, radio operator, um, Miss, uh, where is this? Uh, Joe Usulis, um had his 18-year um, career in the Royal Navy um, brought to a close um, when it became apparent that he was bisexual. Um, and he had uh, one of his long service um, and good conduct medal cut off of his cut off of his chest. Um, basically, when when they turfed him out, um, and he's now um, won a legal battle where he's actually been able to um, been able to reclaim uh, that medal. Um, so the MOD have now agreed that actually that they've behaved um, poorly um, and that they needed to uh, they needed to change. Uh, change how they were behaving about that so that leaves ex-service personnel that were um that were discharged because they were lgbt um which by the way the the ban on lgbt um serving in the armed forces was lifted in the year 2000 uh sorry in lesbian gay bisexual people in 2000 and transgendered um allowed officially to openly serve in 2014 so um and I think this is where maybe for our younger listeners who who will be incredulous at this, um, you know, again, you look back through history uh, and, and you don't have to look very far. You know, it is not that long ago in terms of when did homosexuality stop being a criminal offence? 1967, 69. We did a 50 year anniversary. I was going to say 1969. So we're we're kind of agreed on that. So, Mm. you know, again, the year I was born, you know, and I'm not that old, um, you know, it was still a criminal offence. And ultimately, you know, if you, if, you know, I was discussing this with Nicky, and it was like 2000 before the military caught up. And it was like, yeah, yeah, it's only 20 years ago. And I guess, you know, you look at it through the lens of how far we've come in that time, but then you kind of look at it and say, well, it took the MOD 31 years to catch up that it was going to be okay. Um, Yeah, and it's, and, and for me, kind of the, aside from the, I mean, there's the, obviously, the the, the armed services are way behind what was happening in society in that respect. There's the old kind of thing of it will cause disruption um, in the unit or it will cause problems. Well, no, it hasn't. No, it no, it doesn't. And get over yourself. Um, but just to kind well, of chuck and away... I guess, I, I, sorry, just to cut in there. Yeah. And I guess, you know, again, you and I have shared, I'm only on episode three, so no spoilers in the comments, but I've been watching the excellent Channel 4 series, It's a Sin. And if you look back to the mid 80s you know there was a sense that the, you know whilst it was it was legal now to be gay there was still culturally a massive anti-gay sentiment 
you know, again, I, there's one, and, I, and again, forgive me if you haven't got this far, where somebody says, you know, well, if your son wants to infest that cesspool of filth, who am I to judge? Well, I sort of raised my eyebrows and thought, you, you might just judge there, mate. Yeah, says, your... says person making judgmental comments straight off the front page of the Daily Mail at the time. Um, yeah, and, it... and, and so I guess, you know, if you had a culture where homophobia was tolerated you think well that's how broken it was it wasn't the fact that well it might cause trouble why might it cause trouble because there are a lot of people that hate gay people i don't think that's a problem for the gay person is it um no but i don't think that's the that's the reason it's the i mean to be honest it's the same old tropes that are rolled out about why women shouldn't have had the vote or why it shouldn't have been why um homosexuality shouldn't have been decriminalized in in the first place this this supposed disruption to society or to uh to you know to the working environment which of course is complete and utter rubbish um just was the same sort of thing that's troped out and sadly it's the same sort of thing that's troped out now rolled out now by the same sorts of papers that were saying that crap then um about transgendered people so you know at the end of the day society moves on people actually by and large don't care what other people are doing it's not harming them and they, you know it's mm. quite it's quite it's quite easy to just you know just kind of move things on but for me the the um the, the the thing with this is is that it isn't an automatic thing that these these people are going to get their medals back or indeed because some of them would have passed away for their family to to get their medals back they have to apply for them back and someone will then make a so each application would be reviewed by the defense council and the mod would then decide um decide actually whether that would be justified or not whether to actually um arrange new honors um to those who were successful so it isn't an automatic thing so even though they're saying actually we got it wrong on this occasion they're still actually saying actually there might be occasions where we still think we were right um and we're going to make it difficult for you to actually do that so I, I do think that's a kind of a bit of a begrudging kind of admission of um that you got something wrong in the past but yeah this this stuff happens in happens in living memory um and um our very own Stephen Morgan, Portsmouth South MP, who's the Labour Shadow Armed Forces Minister, um, responded um, to the announcement uh, saying this is an important step towards justice for those who were thrown out of our armed forces simply because of their sexuality. And ministers must now consider the, the restoration of ranks, pensions and other forms of compensation to appropriately honour those who have served our country with courage and distinction. And he's right. Yeah, it's it is a really messy one, isn't it? Because it's that element of you, you know, you've got to go back and 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 make good, and it's you know there there is a you know it it's absolutely the right thing to do, and and the, but then my brain starts wondering. It's not a but, so that's that's mm -hmm. the wrong language, but it's that kind of how far can you go back in history? and rewrite the wrongs of a society that didn't just had it wrong you know and this is obvious isn't it this is within living memory mm -hmm. do you know it, it makes absolute sense um but, it, but it's but... then kind of as you then start to go back through history and i think we touched on it before hmm. there are some very checkered periods in our past as a nation that you look at and you go well how could you make good on that? 
But you've, you've got to, I think for me, the difference is one is undoing the disadvantage that has been created by the unfair treatment of people historically, right? And you need to you need to kind of do with that. There's a difference between that, for example, and, um, you know, um, suddenly um, trying to prosecute today's laws against the people that enacted the the laws of yesteryear that would be a, mm. that for me that would be a trickier a trickier situation but it's it, for me if you look at this without kind of without actually trying to involve it in in all of that um it's the right decision to give this man his, his medal back um absolutely we um you know i'm sorry it's a no brainer for me anybody that serves serves in our armed forces we should train them well we should equip them well we should look after them when they come back we should provide them and their families with with decent accommodation and we should make sure they've got the right remuneration and, and support so that when they leave um leave the armed services that they actually have what they need to uh, to make a life in, in civvy street um and anytime we're not doing that we're failing them when we're we're breaking for me a fundamental promise that the state has made to these people that are literally putting their lives on the line for our country and treating them poorly. And that, and that, that has to be fixed because it, it's a disgrace. No, can't argue with a word of that. You sounded like a conservative then. That was very well done. Don't you. Do... <laughs> oh, that's a different conservative. Sorry. Um, right. Okay. So next. Should we, should we talk about oh. Australia and Facebook unfriending each other? Yes, yeah, they've they've fallen right out. There's no you okay, hun X, is there? There's um. So again, let let's let's start with the legal stuff. So Australia is proposing to pass a bill that effectively obliges large tech companies to pay news outlets to promote host what's the word simon so well i mean i guess if it'd probably be easier if we provide examples so what the law um that australia is proposed and it isn't passed and it isn't enacted yet right so this law in australia calls on it calls on for example google when it um when it returns news articles in its searches it calls on Google to actually pay the provider of those news articles with some remuneration. Bearing in mind what it's doing is providing providing like a couple of lines of excerpt and a link to that news article. So if anything, it's making it easier for people to read that news article. What the law requires of Google is to is to pay that news outlet for the for the ability to point people towards their news that their website where they read the news article. Um, and likewise with um, uh, with Facebook, um, what it's saying that Facebook needs to do is to pay um, is is to pay news organisations to um, to be able to have their content on on its newsfeed. Um, mm. And the interesting so the interesting thing there is that the content that's in on Facebook is content that those news organisations have posted in their Facebook pages. Yes. So it's so it's not it's not content that. You know, in Google's example, they're curating that information based on um, automated. Um, sorry, my mouse is being really funny. Um, cu- create, curating that information based on searches of the internet, right? 
um, which is different to Facebook's situation where actually those news organizations set up a Facebook page and promote their own articles on those Facebook pages. So it's actually the news organizations themselves posting that content. Um, this, this legislation would require Facebook and Google um, to, uh, to, to pay those news organizations in those circumstances. Um, the idea being yeah. that they're getting a free ride out of someone else's investigative journalism. And so, earlier this week, Facebook had a complete hissy fit and basically took all, well, took an enormous amount of Australian-based news and government content. It blatted it off its platform. And I think you've got to be a bit of reaction from our um, strine politicians who perhaps didn't take it that well. Yes. So, and I'll, and I'll play the clip in a second. There's a succession of um, of speeches from some uh, prominent Australian um, Australian um, politicians that um, that talk about actually their their response to it. So, in a sense, before the law has actually become to pass, uh, what Facebook has done overnight is say. Okay, um, we're now going to stop any feed that is basically a news organisation um, in Australia working, um, and that includes feeds that are, for example, from the you know health services, from the fire, their you know their equivalent of the fire and rescue service, um, and the you know um, the the weather service. Um, so organisations that would be using Facebook to provide alerts to people about bushfires, cyclones, you know, fire um, and health issues. And, you know, is there a sort of health issue going on at the moment? I think there might be one that we're all talking about. So a little bit. that kind of seems um, a, a bit a bit daft. Um, and I'll speak to kind of what happens next. And can you tell what happens next? It's like that bit on Question of Sport. Um, but if I play these clips. So first up is uh, the Minister for Health. Um, Greg Hunt, who considers Facebook's response outrageous and unacceptable. And then Paul Fletcher, the communications minister, and Josh Frydenberg, the Australian treasurer. So they're all getting a getting a chance to comment on this, but let's hear let's hear what they've they've all got to say. This is outrageous and unacceptable. We expect that Facebook will fix these actions immediately and never repeat them again. This is an assault on a sovereign nation. It is an assault on people's freedom, and in particular, it is an utter abuse of big technology's market power and control over technology. There are organisations like state health departments, fire and emergency services and so on, who have had their, their Facebook pages uh, blocked. That's a public safety issue. I've spoken to Facebook this morning and said the government expects them to restore those pages as quickly as possible. Facebook's actions were unnecessary. They were heavy-handed and they will damage its reputation here in Australia. Their decision to block Australians' access to government sites, be they about support through the pandemic, mental health, emergency services, the Bureau of Meteorology, were completely unrelated to the media code which is yet to pass through the Senate. So that's Australian politicians um, reacting strongly, an attack on a sovereign nation. Thank God they weren't in the EU, eh? Um, an attack on a sovereign nation um, uh, about a reaction by Facebook that, to be fair, they've actually undone because they've what the Facebook have actually said was that um, 
it was a mistake that they stopped the streams of um of things like the you know the the um um the the fire service the meteorological um service etc so so that they they've kind of undone so they've kind of walked back from that one but with regard to news agencies um they've you know that they're still they're still saying that actually this is this is what this law would mean um and rather than pay these organizations who are choosing to promote their own content by creating a facebook page and posting links to it um we're we're pulling basically their 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 content from yeah. uh, from our from our service they're no platforming them aren't they are you talking about cancel culture Oh, I think, and it's an interesting one, this one, because there is an element of, you know, Facebook, even though they've restored the, you know, some of the, it, it is a massive muscle flexing exercise, isn't it? And and I think you know, this speaks to the big tech versus government, you know, which is who has more influence? Is it Facebook or is it the Australian government? And I think in this regard, you know, Facebook have taken the view with, okay, get stuffed. And, you know, again, whilst, you know, the the people can, the folk can rant about attack on a sovereign nation and this will damage the reputation of Facebook in Australia. Meh. Um, yeah, so, it, uh, so what's really interesting in... Um in, in face, you know, Facebook gave a detailed and lengthy response, which I, which I won't read out. But effectively, they say that um, the law misunderstands how the how the internet works. Um, uh, and Google's response, which actually they they made as a as a video as well, um, which I'll play in a second, actually kind of it, it kind of speaks to that a little bit. Yep. Um, um, Tim um, Tim Berners Lee, um, the world renowned uh, British computer scientist, known as the inventor of the World Wide Web. Um, also um, expressed concerns that um, that it sets a precedent that re basically renders the internet as we know it unworkable. Um, mm. So think of the organisations that will have been pressing for this sort of legislation because the legislation doesn't require um, places like Facebook and Google to make those arrangements with everyone, just with certain organisations. Um, so let's listen to Google's response and actually their solution was different to Facebook's but, but because how the law would impact them is, is actually slightly different but let's let, let's hear Google's response. Hi everyone, I'm Mel Silver and I lead Google here in Australia. If you're like most Australians, you use Google search to find and learn things online. Whether it's help with homework, an easy dinner recipe or directions to the local takeaway shop. But a proposed new law, the News Media Bargaining Code, would break how Google search works in Australia. Now, I know that sounds pretty full on, but it's true. You know how search works. You search, we show you links, and you decide what site to go to. The new law means Google would have to pay certain news companies to show you links to their sites. Now, remember, we don't show full news articles. We just show you where you can go and help you to get there. So, I must admit, I I came at this with the view of absolutely right. Um, the internet giants are getting free content. They should be paying the originators of the of that content so that, um, to be honest, that you know journalism doesn't die because it doesn't really have an adequate funding model in in the digital age. Um, but when you actually look at what the law is asking and and actually how 
how, to be honest, how Google search works and how the content gets onto Facebook. Um, so in one, it's it's saying, hey, this is where there's an article about XYZ that you've searched for that you might want to go read. So surely that's a good thing for the news organization. Um, and actually, organizations can pay for to have promoted search results so that they actually appear at the, at the top of those search results that come back from search engines um, like Google. So you, you can pay to actually actually get that so in that respect that would be the organization paying paying google to then drive people towards yes. their site in facebook's example again this is this is content that the news organization has posted and shared themselves but then they want facebook to pay them for then encouraging people to come to their website to read their news article it isn't the issue really the, the news organizations are struggling to find a way to monetize without deluging the reader with loads of ads. People quite often complain yeah. about the, the, you know, the local, um, you know, Portsmouth Evening News kind of model. Um, but either you have a way where you pay to view that content or, or there, there's advertising there that pays for it for you. So it seems to me that this isn't the right solution to the issue that is fundamentally journalism needs to be funded so that we actually know that we're dealing with facts yes and, and i think what, what you do, it's an interesting one if you look at the google dilemma so the, the the deal is if you are going to appear on the google search first if you type in hang parish council if you want the article from your newspaper to appear at the top you pay google money yep that is the deal. Google ad search. And yeah. then, so, so I think she was being slightly disingenuous. And how Australian was it to say, yeah, I think that's pretty full on. Um, but there's an element, I think she's being disingenuous with the, oh, Google does nothing. We let you choose. Well, no, you don't. You absolutely engineer what appears on the page in, in which order. And I guess, so, you know, there is an element of, it's almost a little bit like a hedge fund, isn't it? So your newspapers have to pay Google to get them to drive traffic to their website because it's the traffic that gets driven to their website that gives a monetary value to the advertisements that they put on their website. Not so if they don't drive traffic, their advertising revenue is worth nothing because people won't pay them for that. But for them to drive the traffic there, they've got to pay Google. That so you to be kind fair, of look at it and think, well, that is flipping the model on its head. To be honest, no, that's not what happens. Um, I mean, if you want to come top in a list of searches, you're paying, but you can be higher up the list of searches just by actually happening to be the thing that people are searching for. And there's a there's a whole yeah. kind of you know science of search engine optimization. So you make sure that SEO, yeah. yeah. So you make sure that you are organically appearing uh, appearing at the t top of searches, right? So actually, plenty of times, um, paying money for Google Ads um, doesn't actually return the investment that you, that you would need, especially if if what you're needing to do is drive football so that your ad revenue stream um, that supports your site. Um, gets it gets enough footfall the way the way there are other ways to do it where you make sure that you, you to be honest you have um, popular and engaging news articles um, sadly another way is you you create clickbaiting articles that really drag people in where they're kind of interested in reading them even if actually what the title of the article is bears no correlation to actually you know the, the, the content of, of the of the story that's that's been written but to to be fair to say to say that it that, you know that they're being disingenuous about that. I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think the un the unintended consequence of this 
might be, or it could be, and it's not the it's not the stance that Google's taken. Actually, Google's taken the stance of setting up um, um, a service where they actually agree um, agree with those news organisations um, to uh, to basically redirect to uh, to them. So in that respect. Um, they, they've reached some sort of um, some sort of agreement with yes. them, and that is yep. using. Sorry, I forget the name of the service now. So, um, News uh, Showcase. So that's where they've made um, agreements with um, with loads of different news news organisations across the world, um, where um, where they've made that sort of agreement to to support that content. But the alternative is if. If you were Google and you had to end up paying out loads of money in order to return a search result because it because that search result led people to a particular company that is in the benefit of that company, you change your algorithm so that actually it deprioritized search results for those particular companies so that you avoid paying for them. So actually, oh, that yeah. breaks yeah, yeah. Uh, breaks yeah. the point of sending people to those websites. So for me, this is the wrong solution for a different problem. The solution is... Do we look at something like we have with, you know, do we end up in a situation where actually in order to pay for proper journalism instead of Twitter journalism um, with, you know, uncredited sources, um, do we actually pay for it in a subscription in the same way that we do with Netflix or, you know, with with Amazon, Mm. that you pay for a subscription that allows you to read a certain number of articles from a variety of different news services? The problem is that all of these different news services want you to pay them a subscription. And that isn't how most people choose to absorb the content. Some people might be happy to only read news articles from the Times or from the Guardian, but most people want to kind of have a selection so that they can get a bit more of a balanced view. And for me, I think that's probably a more useful solution than this one. I worry that other, because I think the next country to kind of look at this is Canada. Um, and the yep. EU are looking with interest at how it goes in Australia, so I I would be concerned that that there's legislation being passed to be blunt by people that don't understand how the internet works, and it's the same group of people that were U.S. senators trying to question Mark Zuckerberg about you know how yeah. you know how Facebook so works. So what is this? It, what is this face the book we are yes, speaking about? Got like, no, I think you know, right, Simon. I, but again, I, I was musing on this the, 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 as we led into the program. So I subscribe to the Portsmouth News and I do it not because of the quality of journalism or its unbiased nature, but because without it, without the subscription, the, the, the service is unusable. You know, you get with a screen reader, you get two lines of text. You then have to tab through the ads which is probably 20, 30 keystrokes where you're trying to listen to, does this matter or is this talking to me about hearing loss and erectile dysfunction? And then you get another two lines of text and then you go, it, it just, you, you can't use it. So I subscribe to the news. Pretty much everything else I read from a news article perspective will be from a Facebook link. So I read more Guardian articles than any other newspaper because in the political forums that I follow, it's usually angry lefties posting about it's outrageous as a government status without a bear. So there's an element of the media that I consume. You know, anything that's behind a paywall, don't read it. So 
if I look at that, you've kind of got to look and say, well, how do you ensure getting balanced media? Because, the you know, let's be honest, the kind of people that will happily pay the paywall subscription for The Telegraph are probably in a certain dynamic. Um, yeah. And I'm... it's not you. Um, well, no, it it definitely isn't me because I definitely wouldn't pay money to read the Tory graph. Um, I wouldn't read it if they paid me. Um, so, um, but I think if you you have, I, I guess it's a fundamental thing about a civil society is that democracy only works if you have a well-informed public, right? Because um, otherwise, yep. it's very very easy to misinform them. Um, and that can end really, really badly. And we've seen some examples of that here, and we've seen some examples of that in the United States. Um, well, the United the States is fundamentally broken. You know, again, if you look at their media, you know, somebody said, well, I wonder what CNN or, or, or what CNN will say about Biden. Well, I can tell you what they'll say about Biden, and I can tell you what Fox will say about Biden, in the same way that I could tell you what those two news corporations would say about Trump. Fox would say he could do no wrong. CNN would say he could do no right. And now we've got Biden. CNN will say he can do no wrong. And Fox will say he can do no right. There's absolutely zero subjectivity in American media. Uh, yeah, which but... is why I love Auntie, I, I love Auntie Beeb. Because it is a, it is a left-wing sock puppet of the <laughs> metropolitan liberal elite. Whilst it is also... A government-loving, biased organisation that um, churns well, out only right-wing well, yeah, propaganda. You know, to be fair, it's the whole kind of referee analogy, right? Isn't it? If both sides are complaining that the ref is being, um, is be, you know, is being unfair to them, then to be fair, they're doing their job well. But I kind of find it strange that when you look at um, when you look at all bar two of the newspaper or media organisations in the UK were more preoccupied with. Meghan Markle expecting um, expecting a baby or with Harry and Meghan um, having their royal um, roles or their patronages withdrawn then there were concerns about you know reports that the, the government had again been found to have broken sorry acted unlawfully so it, it's kind of like a, which of the but but to, there's another element of that which is the sad truth is every time newspapers print things like sensationalist stories about the royals their circulation goes up. So who's to blame? No, is it the audience or is it the news organisations that have learnt to feed the beast? Well, and, and that's where, you know, look, for those of us that are interested in politics, the unlawful nature of that story was of interest to us. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's interesting we talk about clickbait because I've seen it reposted as probably a dozen different stories some of which are an accurate reflection of what the story was and some of which are a one-eyed confirmation bias version thereof and we can look at that and then ultimately we'll, we'll all make our own decisions but actually that's not what most people are interested in you know it, it, it's fascinating that when print newspapers were a thing if you go back you don't have to go back too long 10-15 years the sun and all of its quality journalism, the Sun sold more newspapers every day than every other newspaper in the UK added together and doubled. That's because muck sells, right? And like I say, is that 
who's to and i'm not about apportioning blame i'm just trying to analyze and understand yeah, kind yeah. Of where the issue lies and fundamentally if you have a model that only survives because you drive mass purchase of your what of the of the article that you're selling what you discover very quickly is that gossip sells sex sells yeah. um sensationalism sells lies sell family arguments sell you you kind of and you 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 then learn that it, you know to be honest to keep a roof over your head you've got to keep trotting out that sort of stuff um yeah and I, i'm sure i'm sure there's a place for it but if it's info it's not really information that you need when you're standing in front of the ballot box no this is true and in terms of family arguments to ensure that we don't have one <laughs> it's 1927 and you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris, marvellously unmuted now. <laughs> and I've been Simon Sansbury, even if you are begging to mute me. You have no authority here. You have no authority. <laughs> if you're not going to speak nicely, I will eject you from the meeting. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa. Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die from Amazon Music. Alexa. Play the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>